Welcome to Team Up, a podcast where we talk about team-based primary care in British Columbia. Hello, I'm Morgan Price, a member of the BC Team-Based Care Advisory Committee. In this episode of the Team Up podcast, I get to share a very engaging dialogue circle we did as part of our October 2020 Team Up webinar. First, you'll hear Stephanie introduce the members of the circle, and then the conversation begins. It was an engaging and practical webinar, and I hope you enjoy it. So good morning, everyone. My name is Stephanie Masso, and I'm a leader on the health system improvement team at the BC Patient Safety and Quality Council. And I'm very happy to be welcoming and hosting you at this webinar, Getting to the How of Team-Based Care, a Dialogue Circle. So before we really dig in, please read through this message. And for those of you only on audio, this message is to let you know that personal information from this webinar is collected through the Freedom of Information and Protection of Privacy Act. We are recording this webinar. You would have seen that pop up and agreed to that if that is something you're in agreement with. And uh, we will be recording in the main room. And that recording will be made available online at teambasedcarebc.ca uh, next week. And the recording online will show your videos if they are on, but your name will not be displayed, nor will the chat box and any questions or comments you might write in there. We do ask that you refrain from identifying patients, specific team members, or offering any other personal information. So this webinar is called a Dialogue Circle and is following the tradition of talking circles which originated with First Nation leaders. The process was used to ensure that all leaders in the Tribal Council were heard and that those who were speaking were not interrupted. They also serve the purpose of fostering and upholding connection, relationship and equality with all shoulders at the same level. These are the same goals we wish to achieve today and so I want to thank uh, the many members of communities and partner organizations who generously contributed to the guide where I found this information. Although we are in a virtual environment, we want to imagine that you are gathered here with the speakers in a circle, talking about the work you are doing that we are doing in the communities. I'm grateful to Dalina and Larry, who you will hear from shortly, as they have taken extra time to meet with me and guide me on my ongoing journey towards cultural safety and humility, and ensuring that this webinar reflects this by sharing their knowledge, experience, and gifts. So now Larry Becker is going to do a land acknowledgement for us. Hi everyone, my name is Larry Becker and my traditional name is Beeskelton and that was passed down by my late father. Um, I come from and was raised in the Musqueam community and I would like to take this time to acknowledge uh, that we live, play and work um, in the lands of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. And I'd like to take this time to pass this on to Stephanie. Thank you so much, Larry. So I would also like to begin by acknowledging the respective lands on which each of us is participating today. I'm a settler whose ancestry is traced back to France, to France, so bonjour, and Ireland. And I've recently relocated to the ancestral, traditional, and unceded territory of the Musqueam Nation, also known as Richmond, where I actually grew up. And I'm grateful to regrow roots here as I raise my 17-month-old son closer to his grandma and grandpa. And I also love that we can see the mountains of the Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh nations to ground us during our day and to feel more connected to nature when we get the opportunity to hike. I would also like to invite all of you to share which territories you are participating from today. This is, uh, sorry, this is Dominic Orsler, Michelle McGoldrick, um, and we're 
privileged and honoured to be calling in from the unceded territories of the Comox First Nation. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. So thank you, everyone. Yeah, and I think there's a few folks uh, also putting that in the chat. So thank you so much for doing that. And before really continuing along, I do want to flag that if any of you need tech support, as we all do sometimes, please send my wonderful colleague Katie with BCPSQC next to her name, a note in the chat box. And then I want to thank you again so much for carving out time in your full days to gather and learn with us through Team Up, team-based primary and community care in action. This is the second webinar. So hello again to those of you who came to the first one in a series hosted by the BC Patient Safety and Quality Council and the Innovation Support Unit at UBC on behalf of the Provincial Team-Based Care Advisory Group. We know we have a full house today, and if possible, we would love for all of you to start getting to know each other. As I mentioned earlier on, I encourage you to private message each other if you haven't seen someone in a while or just want to say hello, and also, of course, to message each other in the group chat as well. And perhaps a bit of an unusual request these days, we actually are going to welcome you to keep your cameras turned off during the dialogue circle, and then we will extend the invitation to turn your cameras on later during the Q&A portion. However, of course, you should do whatever does feel most comfortable to you. So for our agenda for today, we feel so fortunate to have five speakers here with us with different experiences and perspectives to gather in conversation and share the nitty gritty in their world of implementing team-based care. From there, we will also be moving on to a reflection document as soon as the dialogue circle is finished so that you can think of questions you have for the speakers that we will share back and strategies that have worked or not, because that's what happens, for you or a team you're supporting during the transition to a team-based care model. There will be instructions later for those of us who are first-timers to working in this kind of document and for all those of us who need a refresher. So in the spirit of uh, flexing our Zoom muscles, we'd like to know what stage of team-based care you think your team or the one you're supporting is at currently. So please select the best option in this poll that has just popped up. Just waiting as folks are kind of taking a look through and deciding uh, where they're at. Uh, we have exploring and engaging, preparing, implementing, sustaining and spreading. Uh, also that perhaps you're supporting multiple teams or that you're actually not part of a team and interested in learning more. So I see that folks are filling that out right now. It seems like a lot of people are preparing or implementing, but we do have folks kind of uh, throughout uh, and Katie can actually share that back. So more of you uh, can kind of see where each other is at. And what is great is actually our speakers come from a, a whole bunch of these different uh, areas that we're looking at. So I'm sure you'll find something that is really helpful in our discussion today. So after completing the reflection, not only will you get access to the shared wisdom on the document after the webinar, you will all arrive back to this main room to our incredible speakers who will be available to answer as many of your questions as they can. And we'll also get the opportunity to see any themes that emerge from all of your implementation experiences. Since this is a series, we hope that you'll be joining us more than once, and we want to hear from you so that we can improve future webinars and podcasts and make them as relevant as possible. So please do take a minute uh, to complete our evaluation at the end of this session. And we also want to share that we're so honored that Delina has offered to close this webinar with a traditional song. So by the end of this webinar, our hope is uh, that you will be able to discuss strategies for transition 
transitioning to team-based care, relate your experiences with team-based care to others working in primary and community care across BC, and identify opportunities for strengthening team-based care at your local sites. We also want to acknowledge that we won't have time to dig into the impact since we want to focus on the process in this webinar of team-based care, although we do recognize that through implementation there are many impacts that result in benefits to care team members and patients, family members, friends, and communities. So I feel extremely lucky to have gotten to know these five speakers over the past month. Each of them has a unique perspective on how to implement team-based care and have been vulnerable in sharing their trials and errors. As a result, they're learning and growing too. From left to right, you have Sydney, you have Delina at the top, and then just below her, her dog, Frankie. Uh, you have Larry, and then below Larry is Selena, and then just to the right is Darlene. So this group decided that as much as possible in keeping with the understanding that all of you are part of the circle, if you have a question or want to ask uh, something in the chat box, uh, they, they would like to answer your question in real time rather than at the end. So we'll all be doing our best to balance the speaker's stories and any of your questions and insights. So thank you again in advance for learning along with us. And also to let you know, speakers will be building off of each other's answers. So we're actually going to go off to Sydney to start off the group introductions by sharing a bit more about herself. Sounds good. Thanks, Stephanie. So hi, everyone. My name is Sydney Saunders, and I'm a primary care pharmacist with Northern Health in Dawson Creek. Uh, this was a brand new position in our community about a year and a half ago. And since that time, I've been able to integrate into four private medical clinics in my community in a part-time co-located model. In my role, um, I meet with patients to complete medication assessments, provide patient education, as well as give recommendations to prescribers. Much of my work involves chronic disease management and deprescribing, and I look forward to being here today to sharing my experiences into integrating into team-based care and how it's important to keep that patient at the center of our practices. Wonderful, thank you, Sydney, so much. And then we're gonna to go to Larry to introduce himself. Good day, everybody. Again, my name is uh, Larry. Um, I've been working at Lima Medical as the lead medical office assistant since uh, March 2019. Um, my job is to make sure that um, all patient care is met um, by uh, keeping in open communication in real time, especially during this time of the pandemic, um, by uh, all staff and um, making sure that they're able to communicate um, uh, with, with no hiccups. Um, you know, trying to brainstorm those hiccups or any bumps in the road before they even happen and then problem solving those. And um, yeah, making sure that everything goes as smoothly as possible um, with my team up front. And yeah, so I'll pass this on to Delina. Hi, good morning. My name is Delina, and I am honored and privileged to be living, working, and playing on the Swamish Muslim and Slavitude Nations. Um, I am the Elders Program Coordinator here at Luma Medical. We have a traditional healing program combined with our, our primary care clinic. And I started here in July 2018. And kind of noticed we needed to to gather and and so um, began with creating a um, a, a get together on on Fridays and and my intention at that time was to actually do rounds and and see if we needed to do patient care and and what 
it turned out to be was gathering in this beautiful space that we're in and doing a check-in and actually lifting and honoring one another in the work that we do and how we look after our patients in such a very good way. Thank you. Thank you, Larry and Delina, and really looking forward to, to hearing more about both of those pieces. Uh, now we're going to actually go to Darlene to introduce herself. Good afternoon. It's Darlene Arsenal, and I'm the Director of Primary Care Planning in Interior Health. And uh, for over two years now, we've been on a journey in Interior Health, looking at how to plan for and implement team-based care in our primary care networks and SESPs and our urgent care centers to name a few spots and uh, the journey has brought us some great learnings about uh, the approach that we need to take. Uh, we've learned that we can't uh, affect change by education alone so we've developed quite an approach to working with the teens in those areas of practice so I look forward to sharing some of that. Thanks so much, Darlene. And just to let everyone know that our other speaker, uh, Selena, is actually just still seeing patients. So she'll be with us as soon as she can, and she'll introduce herself at that time. And so now we're going to move into actually our conversation. Uh, and again, we invite everyone to be a part of that uh, and, and asking questions to our speakers as they share their, uh, their stories. So the first question I have for our group here is, how did you or your team start providing team-based care and what's that like every day? I can jump in and provide an answer on my experience here in Dawson Creek. So I would have to say from the get-go that that process was not without challenges. <laughs> we don't expect it to be a smooth process. Um, so in my role, it wasn't really announced to some of the prescribers in their private clinics that this new role was coming. So I didn't have much luck just randomly reaching out, doing cold calls and faxes to be able to be connected with those prescribers to on a platform to be able to discuss my role and my integration into their team. But fortunately, I was able to be connected with our practice support coach in the area, and she was integral in getting me um, into a platform to be able to discuss my role with the physicians and to be able to help print reports on each of the electronic medical records to identify patients that would best benefit from my services. So my lessons from my integration and what I would like to share with you today is it's important to make the right connections and to find those right stakeholders when you're starting the process to becoming involved. It's really important to be able to advocate for yourself, your role, and the importance of you being on that team. So an elevator speech or an elevator pitch is a, a, a tool that I used in that regard. And I, it's important to be clear in what you require for supports within the system to make that work. So for me, I required some support from the MOAs to do patient booking. I needed some physical space to be able to meet with the patients, as well as access to the electronic medical records. Thanks, Sydney. I know that it's been a really wonderful and wild ride since you first started and you've made so much headway and I really appreciate you sharing all those different pieces. And I know that Larry and Delina have also spoken about like the importance of the communication that you're talking about. And uh, maybe both of you want to expand a bit more on that in, in what uh, providing team-based care looks like for your clinic. Uh, I know for myself, um, when the pandemic kind of first hit, um, the big problem in my mind in regards to problem solving was, okay, how can we or myself make sure that like our patients' needs are being met? Um, 
but in the same way that they have been, but now during this time when majority of staff are working from home. Um, so I made, it to, I made sure to um, create an encrypted chat where um, these conversations can happen in real time um, rather than, you know, these patients' needs kind of just prolonging and not being met. Um, so that's been really successful. Um, and, you know, even when we're slowly integrating more staff into the clinic, um, we're finding this still very helpful um, forward. I feel the same way. We, um, you know, have this beautiful ch chat where we're able to communicate with one another and call upon one another in regards to patient care or supporting um, so where my office is situated is, is kind of near the MOAs. So just lending a hand, you know, to one another uh, to get through the day. Our patients um, come here in more of a wellness way. Um, it, it's a very happy come, place to go to. And, and so they feel that and they feel very supported during you know, virtual means um, from our clinic, they're still feeling that their needs have been met in the best possible way. And also our communication as a team, we still gather virtually on Fridays for our, we call it Friday chicken <laughs> instead of Friday check-in. So, you know, just keeping in touch with each other, what's happened this week, what can we you know, move forward to, like with flu season, flu season coming, you know, how are we going to reach the patients? Larry has, you know, just created a beautiful, you know, system that just is flowing very beautifully for, for our practitioners, our counselors, our social navigators, nurse practitioners, RNs, and, and midwives. So, you know, we're really, really happy at, at the flow of this circle. Thank you. And I, I know this was also part of the inspiration just to kind of take back the curtain a little bit uh, for folks on the line of like, we have a group chat right now for the speakers here of like, how do you always keep that communication going in real time and making sure that everyone is feeling supported? So thank you for really sharing how that's working for you, Larry and Delina. I also just want to say that Selena is now here. Uh, and Selena, if it's okay, it would be wonderful for you to introduce yourself. And then if you feel comfortable, uh, maybe uh, kind of answering the question uh, that we're discussing right now, which is how did you or your team start providing team-based care and what does that look like every day for you? Oh, and you're on mute. I always do that, my apologies. It's okay. <laughs> I'm Selena Laurie. I'm a family doc in Kamloops, uh, unceded territory of the Shkreton Nation. Uh, I also do a little bit of other work, including um, teaching, which is one of the reasons I'm a little late, sorry. So I have physicians with me today who are training to be family docs. Um, Team-based care. So where I'm sitting right now uh, is a... Um, community health center that we opened two and a half years ago in Kamloops. Um, uh, so I think I live team-based care <laughs> and sort of the journey on how do you start team-based care. Uh, and the question was, is how did 
how did you start? How did you, from whatever model you were working before, what were some of those key pieces that really moved you to working in a more team-based care way? Well, I think for me, um, I'll start with saying that my journey in team-based care is at least a decade old and maybe a decade or so ago. Darlene, I'm looking at you, Darlene, you might know when the Integrated Health Network funding was, but I was working in a private practice that had three years of Integrated Health Network funding. So we had a diabetic nurse educator, a dietitian, an RT embedded in our clinic on our EMR then. And then for a variety of reasons, that initiative morphed into something else and we no longer had that funding. And we went back to sort of the individual family doc practicing on their own. And I wasn't on my own because I was in a group doc setting, but I think that experience just sold me on how do we provide care in a way that's far more comprehensive and I think really utilizes team members' scopes to the best of their ability. So for me, it's been a journey in the last 10 years since then on how, how do we all, and I mean, there's lots of people who've done it before too, right? So it's like, you're not forging new, you know, sort of work, lots of literature around it. It was, how do we actually do that in Kamloops? And that became what we launched here under our society. So this is a not-for-profit run by a society called Supporting Team Excellence with Patient Society. And we opened a little clinic two and a half years ago, kind of on a whim. So what we, um, how would I put it? We didn't have a lot of planning. It just so happened we had the physicians who wanted to go and there was space being built that we could lease. So we, on a risk, the society said, let's just do it. (laughs) And it's been two and a half years on how do you then build out the team that you need um, in the BC environment where you have to sort out different ways to fund the team, right? I'm happy to say now we're, far along that journey. We now have a social worker, we have an NP, we have a nurse, we have um, a sort of gender affirming care with a physician who does gender um, transgendered work. Um, I do some work with two local Shkwetan nation communities. It's been super fun. Um, The best addition has been the social worker most recently, especially in the context of COVID. So that's been fantastic. Um, last night, like I was thinking of this meeting today, I don't want to talk too much, but we had our team meeting last night. So how do we connect? We're in this weird um, COVID world, right? Um, we've got office, like 10 offices in this like physical office, examining rooms. Um, at any given time, we probably have five, six, seven, at least seven providers, but there might only be two physically here and the other others are home doing virtual work. Um, That means we have to have the staff, you know, to support them. So we've got tons of staff you can't see, you know, physically in the team right now who are at home working with two in clinic today. So how do we all connect? Lots of virtual stuff. And we had our team meeting last night. We've been doing team meetings once a month routinely for many months now. It's been fantastic. And it's just super cool to see Um, I'm rambling a lot, but how do you keep a cohesive team in uh, this weird virtual physical kind of world? Does that make sense? Have I rambled too much? Not at (laughs) all. And probably not even enough. So we're going to give you more opportunities as we go along. Came from, we took out a loan. So we took out a big loan. So it hasn't been an easy journey because we're trying to figure out the money all the time. 
right? So, so on a, the docs are all fee for service, except for the physicians doing the transgendered care. We have a phenomenal ED who does grant writing and has been successful in obtaining some grants. So yeah, somebody asked that I saw in the chat, where did the funding initially come from? So this really was a whole bunch of people that just really believed in the vision. And we took some risks that quite frankly, were you know, a little outside the box. You can see me writing. That's the writing. <laughs> Those two years were, yeah, it was a lot of work. <laughs> it's oh. great to see that you're still smiling uh, in the in the middle of your journey still, Selena, and that although it's been a lot of work, it sounds like you're still, even in the middle of a pandemic, finding ways to connect and keep your team going and adapting to what's happening. And while you were speaking, I actually saw, I think when you mentioned the social worker being such a key addition to your team, Larry and Delina, you both looked at each other. So I was kind of curious if there was anything to add maybe from your team perspective on that. <laughs> Someone's really excited in the chat. Yeah, social work, totally. <laughs> Our social workers here are just amazing and they work so hard. So talking about that wraparound care and, and I just have to hold my hands up to you, Selena. And the work that you're doing, especially with our, our trans population. So thank you so very much um, for, for getting that set up. So, you know, I come from working um, as a frontline worker in the downtown east side and looked after many vulnerable people um, in housing. And we administered medication, their finances, and often had conferences, you know, during those years um, with the mental health team, their their family doctors, all of that. And so here at this clinic, we have um, wraparound service. So the patient comes in, you know, I kind of, you know, like I said in my bio is, is meet them where they're at. What are their needs that day? You know, are they coming in for, for physical symptoms? Are they coming in because they have emotional stressors going on? Have they lost their housing? Do they need support, um, you know, filling out paperwork? So we're able to provide that level of care where when an patient leaves here, they feel supported with either having an appointment set up with a social worker that day or scheduling an appointment. We're able to look after their their spiritual needs, um, all of those things. So it, it's this wraparound care. We couldn't do what we're doing without one another. And, and we hold that respect up to, to each one that does this work. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Celine. Uh, thank you, uh, Delina. Delina. And um, I think Darlene just wanted to share a little something. And then Celine, I know you also had just commented uh, that you can provide some insight to someone's question in the chat. Yeah, um, I'd like to emphasize the importance of leadership. And I think that's what Selena really demonstrated there. She's also been a leader in helping develop team-based care at our Family Practice Learning Center attached to our urgent care, where we've uh, really embraced team-based care at our urgent primary care centers. Um, but that leadership is so important to us. We've done a lot of work in the health authority, and sometimes we get great success, and sometimes 
staff revert to practicing in their way they've always practiced, whether that's a traditional medical model or um, going it alone because that's their uh, practice of passion or whatever it is. And so working in a team-based care is really a change. And um, so we've developed a a leadership curriculum, team-based care leadership curriculum 101, spend a lot of time with those local leaders helping them understand what the team-based care is about, what um, competencies, we use the national competency framework, so what competencies they need to help lead their teams towards, how to affect a culture of change. So we work with OD, organization development, the professional practice office and quality improvement, uh, building those right in at the foundations um, and prepare the leaders to be change leaders with their team and then sustain the momentum after the training. And often it's a physician like Selena and sometimes it's a, it could be an MOA in the clinic who really champions change um, or it could be one of the other professional um, clinicians. So again, I think underscoring the importance of leadership, preparing those leaders to be the change leaders with their team and helping them sustain the momentum once they've received the uh, training and such. We also give coaches along the way to support them. Um, Sometimes you need an external coach to help the team. You can't all do it all internally. Thanks. Thank you, Darlene. That is super helpful to know and to, yeah, again, really focus on those competencies and uh, the leadership skills involved in in creating a team-based care approach. Selena, did you want to add anything to that and also to the comment uh, that was in the chat box there? These are few. Actually, what Darlene shared is really important. And then somebody just also mentioned one of the biggest challenges of implementing team-based care is the large disparity of understanding what it means and entails. So I'm gonna wrap that in with sort of Darlene's leadership piece and all of the learning and share what I said at the front when I kind of learned about it. Sometimes I wonder if people need to experience it in order to really understand it. I think it's really hard to, you know, if at least me, like I find it's really hard for me to understand things unless I experience them. It's kind of like moving from the classroom into clinical real work. <laughs> some people make that transition easily. And, and for some people, it's just, it's really hard to take that book learning and, you know, make it real. So, yeah, I don't think I'm answering anything there other than to say, I think you know, wrap, maybe part of it is the teaching clinically. Um, Darlene's mentioned the fact that we have the team-based care UPCLs, the Urgent Primary Care and Learning Center in Kamloops, where we have our family practice residents actually training in an environment of team-based care. So, So hopefully people will develop these skill sets. Rambly a bit, but it turns out when I trained in the 1990s in my residency program, I trained at a community health center. I didn't know it at the time, right? Shea Heights, Newfoundland, and we had a social worker. So I think I just thought that's the way medicine was. <laughs> right? Does that make sense? 
Um, there's, I, I love that comment there. Learning by doing is so important. And having been a student in another province and bringing that here to practice, I see a lot of people in our community say we're already practicing team-based care, but I can, I've seen that it can be so much more. So getting people to understand and see that vision, I think, is part of the struggle. Um, and one issue that we have here in Dawson Creek is the physician clinics are using a different documentation platform than most of the other healthcare providers. And I've developed my role in a way to be documenting in the physician's EMR, but there's still that disparity between myself and the other interprofessional team members who have that communication back and forth. And that's what becomes a barrier in providing full wraparound team-based care. Yeah, key. You have to be on the same EMR. Full stop. I mean, that's how we communicate here virtually. So, yeah. And um, one of the successes of the Urgent Primary Care and Learning Center is we're on the same EMR. That's so huge. And Sydney, I was curious, I know you actually, you aren't on the same EMR. And so sometimes have to do a bit of that translating or connecting. How do you kind of work around that right now when you, you can't, it's not happening yet. And I think many people are in a place right now where they're in that spot where they want to get there uh, and, and see that vision, but what do they do in, in between time? Absolutely. Um, I decided in my role to do my documentation with the physician's EMR. So I'm in the medical clinics just because it's best to document in the patient's medical home, as well as my role, role relies so heavily on the physicians because I'm not able to prescribe in this province, whereas I have had that other ability in other provinces. So what it is, is diabetes is something that I work quite a bit with. So if I need consult with the diabetes educator or the dietitian, we'll usually do email contact and send our notes back and forth. But again, that's so much administrative time that doesn't allow us to use our clinical skills and background. So it's more of a frustrating piece right now. It's a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails back and forth. Oftentimes that gets missed and we have team members doing um, multiple jobs behind the scenes, not realizing that we're all doing that same work. So that's the biggest frustrating part about it. Um, and Selena, any suggestions? I know this is probably another topic on its own about how to get all of those team members on the same EMR. Uh, <laughs> quick answer is no <laughs> to the suggestions. Other than like, like, um, well, I it, maybe the answer is it depends. Like, so for example, our nurse practitioner, it's a contract which she's paid through the health authority and yet she documents on our EMR. And part of the team-based care... I have a, we have a phenomenal executive director in our society and a phenomenal office manager. And I share that because it means some of your questions I might not be able to answer appropriately. So um, our ED is the magic worker with the contracts with the health authority and how people are documenting on our EMR here in the steps. Does that make sense? But, you know, in other ways, other work that I do. Um, also, for example, I do some work with one of our local bands. And there's a nurse practitioner who's also hired by our health authority who had been going to the same band, but is documenting on a separate system with the health authority. And then it just it's just impossible, right, to really do um, seamless care. 
So I'm definitely hearing that there is a vision and I feel like a lot of folks on this phone call can relate to this conversation. And I feel like this is something that uh, hopefully we can continue connecting across the province to figure out one piece when you're talking about this, uh, I, you know, I'm thinking of the patient at the center and I know in our last webinar and conversations I'm having with folks across the province, it's how our patients, family members, care partners being included in the team-based care model and this shift, especially if there's a clinic that's shifting more to this model or they're entering into a community health center for the first time or whatever that looks like. And so my question to this group, and I, I can see that there's also some questions here uh, in the chat that we will integrate just to let folks know, but one of those is around psychological safety. And I think that really involves uh, the patient and, and their supports as well and feeling safe in these environments. So I was wondering for the group here, how have you and your team ensured patients and care partners, such as family members are fully included in the the team-based care model and any examples you have of really doing that? One example I can share, Stephanie, is recent work that we've done in our diabetes clinic here in Dawson Creek. So myself being on the physician's EMR and our diabetes educator and our dietitian being on the Northern Health platform for documentation, there was a lot of duplication of work and a lot of patients being contacted by multiple people and a lot of confusion behind the scenes. And this was something um, that was quite distressing to our patient. He wasn't sure who he was talking to and why he was talking to them. So we took some time to do a patient mapping. So we had a, a case that was a bit of a mess when he was discharged from hospital. There were way too many people involved in his care. And I think that's something that Katie is sharing now. So we mapped what happened to this patient. And then we, from that mapping, we identified what the current issues are in our system. So by doing that, we were able to develop a new referral process that all of those referrals go to the Diabetes Education Center. And then depending on how that referral is filled out, it will go to the appropriate team member so that that one person can be the contact point for that patient. And then from there, other team members can be looped in and communicate behind the scenes as they need to. And fortunately, we've been able to actually present this to our local physicians last week and got the support that we needed to move ahead with this referral process. So that's been very exciting. This is great work. That's really cool. Um, it's Darlene. And uh, we, we did some early work a year ago in what we called prototype communities. So we worked um, to build our resources for team-based care. So some of those were at Seniors Health and Wellness Centers in Kamloops and Kelowna and Salmon Arm, our mental health center in Primary Care Mental Health Center in, in Kelowna and our first urgent care center in uh, Kamloops. But we did some patient surveys as well and we're getting the same information as Sydney was saying, too many people asking the same questions. So we really looked at how to streamline that, how to get the information first and then move that into a care plan. Um, so those teams are still working on that, with that kind of work, the care plan that really belongs to the patient, not the providers. And that's a shift for many team members to understand that, that the, 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 um, information is the patient's information, the care plan is their information, we are contributing to their care plan. Yeah, so lots of patient surveys, lots of patient mapping has been explained, and really important to listen um, with the patients as we uh, move to new processes. 
thank you for sharing that, everyone. And, and for those of the, you who might have missed it or on the phone, uh, there's actually a PDF that we'll send out afterwards uh, documenting uh, Sydney's uh, journey in patient mapping. Uh, one other question that I'm seeing here is actually uh, anyone's experience with educating uh, patients on team-based care specifically. How are you having those conversations? What happens when they have a question? How do you direct them? So any examples of that from the group here? I can say what we're not doing. <laughs> Sorry. It's, this is our gap. I think we got going so quickly. By we, I meant at Orchard's Walk, the clinic that I'm at, under the society rather than the UPCLC. Um, the one next area as things settle out really, from my point of view, is robust patient engagement and a more um, deliberate way of explaining team-based care to all of our patients. I'm gonna, so I think that's a gap that we have in under our society. Um, the one enabler, <laughs> and believe me, I'm all about people, not electronics, but with our EMR, we actually with COVID um, purchased, I'll call it like a patient portal, um, where we have about 8,000 patients linked with our clinic and 4,000 of them now we have their emails and this secure patient portal where we can provide information. So it pulls communication with patients off of emails and into a secure portal linked with our EMR. I'm sharing that because I can see that our vision really is this is a way for us to start communicating to our entire patient panel about who we are programming we're running a flu shot clinic right now. We use the mass sort of out to 4,000 people <laughs> to advertise our flu shot clinic. And it turns out when we, we just pushed it out just this week and 2,600 people actually at least read the portal message. So I'm just, I'm, I'm sharing saying that's a gap for us. We haven't really explained it well to our patients. We're doing it and living it. So people are experiencing when we're doing it. We get the feedback that most of the time people like it but there hasn't been a deliberate sort of educational piece with patients. And I'd have to agree that's a gap in our community as well. Oftentimes I see patients, they'll come into clinic with me to do an initial medication assessment and they don't understand my role. They're, they're used to pharmacists behind the counter at the pharmacies and not understanding, well, what do you mean you work in the clinic? How does this work? I don't understand the team. I'm used to just having my doctor. What does this mean? So you have that one-on-one -on -one education, but that's not a great way to get it out across the community. Thank you, both of you. And Larry and Alina, what were you thinking? Um, I just would love to get that information, Selena, how to do that from the EMR and, and reach our patients. Um, we, we do hold workshops. We work, um, you know, from a patient-centered approach. So Here's our patient, and then surrounding the patient in a circle is our family physician, our nurse practitioner, our registered nurse, our uh, elder, our social worker. So that, that wraparound service. And what happens with that patient within our community is they share that with their friends or their relatives. And, and so we often get calls or patients coming in and saying, hey, you know what, I heard about, um, you know, you're doing myoactivation here, and I'm really interested. So they're sharing their experiences, and they're, they're wanting to invite 
you know, one another to participate. So um, the, right now we are holding virtual circles for our patients so that they still get that time to gather, even though everybody's distancing, right? Thank you so much. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Larry. I think for our patient panel, uh, um, it's, it's definitely a cultural thing in regards to wanting that sense of community and us being able to provide that with our wraparound care. Um, but I would love if uh, maybe later, Selena, if you could share how you're able to reach out um, to your patient panel, like in regards to the EMR, say, for example, like if we're doing a flu clinic, um, how you, what tools you're using to do that. Oh, it's Health Myself, and it's linked with, we're on MedAccess EMR. So we actually, um, it's, a, it's a whole, I think it's actually a whole separate company. <laughs> um, and, and so I have to have two um, browsers open at the same time with my EMR and Health Myself. But the actual Health Myself is linked. I'm not a techie. I think more people here and more. <laughs> There's a little button in Health Myself that says, you know, reply to patient and download to chart. And I hit it and sure enough, it downloads it. I don't know if that answers your question, but we're using Health Myself. And patients have to register for it on the other side. And once they're registered, then they can use it to send information to our clinic and vice versa. Thanks for sharing that. And I think these are the kinds of tools that uh, everyone is looking for. So we'll definitely make sure for folks on the line that we capture that and share that out and also welcome if anyone wants to post something similar they're using in their clinics uh, in the chat. I know that would be helpful for the whole community here. Just looking at our time and kind of some of the questions that are in the chat box, what I'm thinking uh, is because I do think everyone's really learning so much from hearing these different experiences is we are going to go to do this reflection document. Uh, this is also going to give the speakers a chance to look at some of the questions and points that are in the chat box right now. Uh, and once everyone shares out in these documents, we'll be bringing back some of these themes and questions to everyone here. Uh, and one of the general themes that I do want to look at too, when we come back from this reflection document is looking at sustaining the culture of team-based care over the long term. I know many of us are, you know, Selena, you're talking about you've been doing this for so long and also this clinic is only two years and Sydney, you kind of mentioned some of the same themes. I think everyone's kind of in that theme of like, you've been exposed to it, integrated in it, but actually putting into practice right now, um, maybe learning a lot more and also looking how you can sustain it. I know we've talked a lot about team huddles being such a key part of that, um, but just wanted to pick up a little bit on that as well. Here in the chat, we actually had a question here of how have you brought traditional wellness healers, elders into the team? Um, and just wanted to start there as a place. And then also hopefully that as a sustaining piece uh, and looking at uh, cultural safety and humility in the team-based care work we're doing across the province. So if anyone can speak to that to start us off, that would be wonderful. Our clinic was open in 2016 and when it was created, our CEO, Marcel, Marcel Twain, really recognized the importance of traditional wellness with Western medicine. And so when this, this clinic was designed, they've included this beautiful healing room um, for our patients to come into. 
because when we work on a healing journey, we're we're healing from from whatever's happened to us, you know, spiritually, emotionally. Many of our people have suffered from impacts of residential school or impacts from the murdered and missing women or Indian day schools, Indian hospitals, all of those things. So we recognize the need, and I believe we serve over 263 different nations within our clinic and our patient panel. So our elders that we have been able to incorporate are elders that are recognized in the community for the work that they do and the healing that they do. So a big part of our our clinic is when you you know walk in. There's a, a medicine counter. Our traditional medicines are there for people to to touch. In our healing room, we have you know access to these medicines, and um, you know everyone walks in this room and they feel that calmness. They feel that safety. It's the familiarity of what they've had, say, from their other communities. And we also encourage our patients you know, to participate in ceremonies. Our patients are included in those ceremonies. Every season, we have a ceremony to welcome in the season. And so our patients participate in those things, which that feeling of inclusion is so important. And those needs are being met with this inclusion. Thank you so much for sharing this, Delina. I, I, I think I've, yes, I've mentioned to you and Larry, even seeing your healing room virtually, uh, I feel a sense of healing and power and calmness from that and how much that has been the vision of your clinic and how many ways in which you're serving many different nations and finding a way forward through that, uh, through different teachings and guidance. So thank you for sharing uh, just a small part of your journey. And I know that there's so much uh, that everyone here uh, is learning along that way. So thank you for that. Uh, One piece that I wanted to actually um, share right now um, was actually, um, and maybe Katie can do this for me, is uh, going into the document right now uh, that everyone has been sharing. I just wanted everyone to kind of see just how, you know, in four minutes, how much uh, wisdom is actually in this space and the different uh, themes that are happening. Uh, One of the biggest themes that we're seeing is actually creating a sense of shared purpose and understanding. Uh, And so if you look here, so many people are talking about regularly meeting, uh, looking at uh, establishing with their team, you know, what is their purpose, having those values established. And uh, that is something that will definitely follow up with some tools around. Uh, and then if you, I just wanted to scroll down a little bit more to the questions for the speakers, recognizing that we don't have too much time left. We probably only have a couple of minutes. Um, and just wondering if the speaker is here, if there's any question that you really want to touch on right now, Sydney has so kindly offered her email in the chat box for anything really specifically related to her role in her her community. Um, but anything here the speakers wanted to touch on before, I really wanted to give uh, Darlene the opportunity uh, for a fulsome um, closing song. Um, so yeah, just wanted to leave it here with any closing notes from the speakers uh, or any questions you really wanted uh, to speak to here before uh, we move on. I have a favor, Stephanie, and maybe yes. this is to everyone. Um, I noticed in the chat and even in the in you know the questions to the speaker, there's lots of questions for me that I'm super happy to answer, but obviously not here <laughs> with time. So just how people how 
will you send me the questions and I can get back to you or do people? Most certainly. Thank you for that very generous offer. And what we will do is we'll actually take everyone's questions and comments and put them into a document and actually share this back with the speakers. And as you have time, hopefully maybe over the next week, we can look at some of those and creating a resource uh, to share out with everyone here. So thank you so much. Yes, we will definitely take you up on that. And I think the audience, yes, is already very much excited for this offer. And, and Stephanie, it's Morgan here. We'll we'll try to bring some of those questions into the follow-on podcast as well. Thank you. Yes, Morgan uh, from the UBC ISU Innovation Support Unit team. Uh, they are doing the podcast. So definitely keep posted to this. And we're hoping maybe even to get one or two of the speakers here uh, to share a bit more. So uh, yeah, anything else from the speakers right now uh, that you just think it would be some parting words that you would want to leave with uh, the folks listening in today? Just thank you. Um, yeah, I think just so grateful. Grateful. I'm sorry I was late and I didn't get to meet everybody else. Sounds wonderful what everybody's doing. That's okay. Um, I did so, want to. Oh, go ahead, Larry. Yes, please. Um, and yeah, I think I'm sad that we're not able to obviously answer all of them, but I think they're they're all great points uh, coming from all the viewers. So yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like this might now be the best opportunity, Delina, if you're ready uh, to share um, where yeah where you'd like to take us next. Okay, um, I just want to thank everyone for this opportunity. The song I'm going to be singing is a Cree song, and it was given to us by a grandmother. And it's a song that um, talks about, you know, just kind of slowing things down. Look at what's around you. You know, right now it's this beautiful fall season where everything is going to be going to sleep. So on our journey, this song just, you know, kind of represents that we leave this circle in a good way. And um, I'm really grateful to have learned this song.
you, all my relations. Thank you, Delina. Thank you so, so much for sending us all off in a good way. Um, I feel like it is just wonderful to come back fully into that the circle and as we spoke about earlier this week uh the the cycle of the seasons and it feels like just the best way um to continue moving forward through our days i can't thank all of you enough uh, the speakers here for your generosity in time and preparation and being here today with us and sharing your stories uh it was so rich and you can i can see that reflected in everyone's comments here uh in their sharings as well uh thank big thank you for the team at the council and isu uh, for supporting these conversations and the tech pieces that keep this all happening and going so smoothly i uh, just wanted to let everyone let you all know here that the, you know these webinars are monthly the next ones are coming up on november 17th and december 3rd and we are so looking forward to seeing many of you again and to keep connecting and keep sharing we'll be following up uh, with resources in a newsletter in the next couple of days as well as a couple of days as well as the topics for the upcoming uh webinars as well uh really trying to be able to um to to work with what you need and to find what you need in the and uh, we're so lucky of how this group came together it really was so special uh and uh from all over bc too which is even uh just yeah also so awesome well that wraps up the webinar i really like this style of dialogue circle it gets a diverse group of voices into the discussion and i hope that was helpful for you let us know give us feedback and consider joining the next session live if you can Again, all the links are in the show notes and uh, we'll see you soon.